Spoiler warning! Quick summaries for short games is filled from top to bottom with spoilers. If you care at all about spoilers for the game being discussed, do yourself a favor and go beat it before coming back to listen. Hello, hello, this is Quick Summaries for Short Games. I'm Trevor Robertson. And I'm Tilly. And this week we're zipping through the gorgeous world of Ori and the Blind Forest. All right, so today we've got two new amazing people here to talk about my favorite Metrovania platformer. And I know what you're thinking, listeners at home. What even more amazing new guests? That can't be possible. Uh, and to that I say, shut up, dorks. My pool of beautiful and eloquent people willing to talk about video games is limitless. They're Twitch streamers, writers, and owners of Autonaut Studio. They're Arcade and Prime. How are you two doing? We're doing fantastic. Excellent. Oh, that intro. Chef's kiss. Thank you. Thank you. Beauty. I didn't write it down absolutely straight from the brain. I'm not lying through my teeth Hard here. to believe, I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all just a whole thing, improv. No, no written notes or anything. So first question that absolutely wasn't written down and given to you beforehand. I want to know, the people at home want to know, what kind of games do you guys play generally and what kind of games have you guys been playing lately? Ooh. Well, I've never touched a video game in my life. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Lately, our life is pretty all consumed with Apex Legends. She's an unforgiving mistress of a battle royale that demands fealty, time, <laughs> energy, sweat, tears. So a lot of Apex Legends, but we also love variety. We've got Dark Souls on the go. Beautiful. Our God, what else have we got on the go? Super Smash Bros. Always been playing platform yeah. fighters and we're wee babes. Me too. Yeah. Love platform fighters. Hell yeah. Yes. I mean, historically, like gaming since we were kids, right? Like with, you know, little intermittent shifts and breaks here and there. Yeah. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, always got the roguelikes going, and it has been a great year for yeah. them. You've got Hades. Oh, We've yeah. been really into, like, into the breach lately, weirdly enough. Mm. Yeah. You know what? That just came out, I think, in the most recent Humble Bundle. So I have it now, and I'm desperate to try it out. I'm very curious about it. So you guys like it? Is it pretty good? Enormously. So good. Yeah, it's so good. I always describe it as the beautiful and rare crossover between Godzilla and chess. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yes, absolutely. 100%. The crossover we've all been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Is it multiplayer then? No. We'll either sit down with two laptops and play side by side and kind of do like... We'll race. Yeah, like we'll a low-key race. race. Or we'll like <laughs> tag team and just like try and hone down on one challenge or one mission or whatever and try and complete the other, you know, because it's entirely turn-based. And so you just... Oh, uh, okay. Use the combined strategy. Yeah. That's we'll, awesome. Yeah. Lots of times we'll like trade off islands. Like it'll be like if we're doing dinner or something. Okay, I'm on the prep. You do island one. Okay, it's time for the meat. Swap out. You've got Island 2. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. It's about as strategic as the game itself, which can be brutal because it's a tough game sometimes. <laughs> yeah, That's kind of one of the trademarks of most roguelikes and roguelites is they can end up being brutally difficult because they don't want you to beat it the first time. They want you to have to sit back and learn through every death and every iteration. Well, that's awesome. I have a game to play that I'm looking forward to. Yes. As far as playing one-player games together, I'm actually kind of doing that with Joseph Campillo, who's going to be on the next episode, which we're going to do Outlast for. Oh. And the only reason we're doing that is because we are tiny coward babies. We are horrified. <laughs> We've played 30 minutes of the game, and every turn, every death, every everything, we have both of our games streaming and both of our cams on, and we're just like, okay, are you going to go in first, or am I going to go in first? <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. I know you guys like to stream a lot. Yeah. You guys have the coolest art and the coolest like schedules 
in your calendars. And it's just so pretty. Who did all of that? That's oh. all her. That's <laughs> Appreciate all her. It. Yeah, it's mostly me. We have some artists that we work with. So we're getting some new emotes that are coming through. But yeah, it's like a lot of collaboration with just artists we know. And then I do a lot of graphic design. And Otter Not Studio, it's actually our digital design studio. So we do a lot of graphics and stuff for others. And we do a lot of editing and podcast editing. So yeah, so I do all of our graphics and Apex is our baby for sure. It's the bread and butter. It stole our soul. It's not giving it back. So apparently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been on your guys' uh, calendar, I feel like, for a <laughs> long time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there is a story there. It got taken away by force. So really? Yeah. So it was one of those, you know, absence makes the heart grow obsessed. So <laughs> OK, fair. I have that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we I actually got hacked. Oh, no. Yeah, right after one of our most successful Apex streams, right after I got my heirlooms I'd been waiting two years for, because we've been playing the game since season one Wow, consistently pretty well, yeah. So the yep. last two years, I got my account hacked and subsequently banned over the course of overnight. <sighs> I was rank oh, climbing. Oh, devastating. Right? We did a whole stream. Oh, we no. did a seven-hour stream where we climbed from silver to gold, and I was getting ready for the plat push. Did some recording before I went to bed, woke up to start the stream and the account was gone and EA oh, was useless God. for five weeks so it was five wow. weeks of me having a bi-daily date with the EA guy where yep. he would oh. tell me we know it wasn't you we just were investigating I would say yeah but I have the recordings and the stream and he would say I feel you this must suck yeah. <laughs> you'll have it back soon some people have it back same day five weeks yeah <laughs> five weeks that is brutal wow and the messed up part is it ended up being five weeks because they didn't notify us when it got unbanned one day we were literally just like let's try i was desperate who knows <laughs> oh my i was jonesing it's been so long we want to just play we hopped in and it worked and we go to check the ticket and it's like resolved and we're oh like, my yeah oh that's horrible thanks ea why'd nobody tell us <laughs> thanks ea right yeah and the same thing they must have been busy trying to fix anthems still <laughs> <laughs> well apparently it's just a huge problem because the same thing had happened to Arcad's brother a couple months, I guess, prior. And they took forever really? on his case until I was wow. like, just harass them. <laughs> Call yeah, them yeah. every other day. Be like, yo, and what up? Try to log on too. <laughs> exactly. Apparently. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. Well, I'm glad you yeah. have it back. Yeah. Has it been treating you pretty well then? <laughs> oh, yeah, it has. So we got it back and then the kind of schedule was born where it was like, yeah, let's just do Apex every day. And then I was like, wow, aesthetically, that's really nice. Let's just do this all the time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so then the calendar born the stream. And so we've been doing split days as well to kind of keep that variety going because we do have other games on the docket. We actually um, we had a GPU fundraiser goal to get back to Dark Souls because our Dark oh. Souls series was getting destroyed by my computer's GPU. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. As you know, GPUs right now. Oh, yeah. Are not yet. Not easy to come by. Not good. Nope. Very not marked up. Yeah. Yeah. So devastating. Yeah. But then yesterday we actually reached our thousand dollar goal of the gpu congratulations thank you yes that's awesome congrats wow that's great it was insane our streamathon yeah. isn't even till next week so that was very surprising Ooh, i'll tune in yeah yeah that's so cool so yeah. that was cool tilly's actually been playing a bunch of dark souls lately <gasps> yes nice. i have yeah yeah so have you guys played through them what was the basis of the dark souls stream was it just blind runs or something specific so it was kind of like i'd played through the mainline dark souls games i've never played bloodborne and I've never really played Demon Souls, but I've played the rest of them and I beat them. Cool. Okay. And we talked about it a lot on stream and Prime had never touched the series. And so we thought, you know what? This is probably going to be a great spectacle. 
let's see if we can play yeah. through the whole series. Always is. And yeah. yep. she's in the driver's seat. I kind of like coach slash. Yeah, backseat a little. And backseat yeah. a little, you know, it's yeah, like striking yeah. that balance between like not giving away things, but also like trying to help her avoid the annoying things. Yeah. 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 It's like Dark Souls can have a few of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a couple, maybe one or two. I mean, it, it's a very casual game, but it has its moments. <laughs> Some small frustrations here and there. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's like it's very much a, a balance because I also have this hand injury. So it's like I've got a balance because, you know, we write for a living and design for a living. So it's a lot of handwork. And then also yeah, I'm sure you see all the instruments everywhere. There's also a lot of music. And then there's Apex, which is also very demanding. So it's like you have <laughs> oh, to yeah. kind of balance what you do. I can't deal with the masochistic games like at the same level I used to be able to right as a younger me I could grind for 19 hours trying to figure out an elevator in Dark Souls lol (laughs) (laughs) Mark had had a hard time with one but at this age it's like I'll take frustration seven times and then I'll look at Arcad and be like there's got to be something like what's going on and he's like uh you know maybe try and coat your sword in resin and then hit the gargoyle and it's like okay yeah that works thank you excellent this (laughs) is the way I want to play this game I want a guided tour of Dark Souls I want to struggle but I don't want to suffer immensely yeah you see that's perfect but i'd love to have just a little lifetime coach for times i get stuck in video games right it's the reason that people instead of googling something will go and ask a specific question on reddit and then you get those little snarky fucks that are like well why don't you just google it you're like because i'd much rather just have someone tell me to coat my sword in resin yeah exactly it's like and from a content perspective there's one version of stream where i'm trying to hundred percent something or do something and i get to the wall of frustrated and stream and i sit there while i watch the video on YouTube on my phone and that's bad content. It's much yep. better to have an Arcad YouTube. He's beautiful. He knows everything and he's going to deliver it in a classy and entertaining way. It's chef's kiss. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> mm-hmm. It's got to be nice having the man in the chair. Yeah. I'm going to try and pull us a little bit closer to our topic of the day here. Mm-hmm. What is your experience with other games similar to Ori? I mean, platformers, Metrovanias, anything that just kind of reminds you of it. You guys play any games like it? Do you want to take this one first? Oh, sure. I realized this morning, actually, when I was reviewing the questions, that I perhaps have not actually played any Metroidvanias besides Ori in the Blind Forest. Really? I know. Wow. Oh, my. That's interesting. I know, but hear me out. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) So in my early 20s, I ended up with 44 reptiles and a lot of chinchillas, and something had to change. I was taking a sip, so I couldn't exclaim. I think a lot of people can say they've been there (laughs) right right? we've all had that point in their life where we're just drowning in lizards and chinchillas exactly you go to bed you find a tegu under your pillow you gotta switch things up so we can relate i moved to the united states and i moved to new york and i only had a macbook and then i went and traveled and i just kind of backpacked across europe and slept on a bunch of people's couches and got into a bunch of hijinks you know broke into some hotels in santorini by accident so you gotta do what you gotta do yeah, yeah you know you gotta live and i only had a macbook so my access to games was very limited for many many years and i was also a filthy league player for a long time weren't we all oh yeah so when i did get a chance to game it was sad so i realized today i was like wow i love watching them you know i've watched arcad run castlevania i love gdq and watching all the metroidvanias but i realized oh, God, love gdq right and i was like i haven't played any but i do have hollow knight on my list and i do also have dead cells on my list so i'm gonna be fleshing that out nice and as for platformers I love platformers. Oh, yes. 
I've played probably every Nintendo platformer that's existed. So that I'm covered yes. there. I had a bit of knowledge. I was covered a bit, but it was challenging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Tilly later will have a little bit to say about the difficulty and comparativeness of Ori in the Blind Forest to other platformers from Nintendo. Yeah. Yep. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Arcad, what about you? So for me, like we were looking through the same list at the same time, and I realized of the major kind of popular Metroidvanias, I think I've played like most of them. It's like one of my favorite genres. Really? Symphony of the Night sucked me in when I was 14, I think, something like that. And it just never let go. So like that was one of my favorites. I love Momodora. I loved Axiom Verge. I love every Castlevania that has been put out. Holy moly. I've slowly been working on Super Metroid, but it's a hard wow. game. Super Metroid's really hard. Super Metroid, yeah. So yeah. I get really frustrated with specific Metrovanias that are too big or too wide because I get lost. So I have a question for Brittany. Is Arcad good with directions? Does he get lost easily? Okay, so normally, no. <laughs> normally, Arcad is the best with directions. Normally, Arcad okay. is tracks. a god, unless he has forgotten the game. So at the point where oh. I'm at in Dark Souls, I'm lost, I'm on my own. And if, I don't know, hypothetically, somebody redeems a Streamloots card that says that I have to play blindfolded and I'm relying entirely oh, no. on directions from Arcad, hoping that he won't lead me into skeletons to immediately get murdered. Oh. Um, maybe he can't be relied on to do that 100% of the time. <laughs> Uh, but um, he's normally very good. If it's fresh or if it's something he's played a million times, he's replaying through Final Fantasy right now. And I am shook. He knows everything. Yeah. He's like a wizard. Oh, which one? Six. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. IMO the best one. But if it's out of his brain, it's an adventure for sure. Let me tell you that. Okay. I had a feeling. It's also, I think, partially like two dimensional space. 3D games I get lost in a lot more. But like yeah. something about like my brain's just really wired for two dimensions. Using Symphony of the Night as an example. I don't speed run it. I want to make that super duper clear. <laughs> but what I do like to do is as fast a playthrough as possible. It's completely fair. And that'll be like both the castle and the inverted castle. At this point, it's just like zipping through the whole thing. Yeah. There's it's... something so comforting about doing those kinds yeah. of runs. Yeah. Stunning. I'm sure. Yeah. I've done it with Pokemon Blue, which is a weird one because it's slow, but I'll play it through emulator and hold the space bar down, which increases the speed by 100% or whatever. And you just zip through and then beat the game. I don't know why. There's no benefit to it. It just makes me feel good. Hey. That's all that matters. That's the most most important benefit <laughs> literally yeah yeah benefit number one well perfect I th i'm gonna go to that after this <laughs> yes. there we go <laughs> Tilly, what about you? What's your experience with Metrovania's platformers, etc.? Well, yeah, um, Super Metroid back in the day really just knocked me in the back of the head. And uh, ever since then, it's been the uh, the bar that I judge everything by. I've played a few different ones. I played Dead Cells a bit. You know, a lot of the more modern ones I've kind of like played for a bit, bounced off of, never really completed. But I really respect the genre a lot. A lot of great titles have come out in there. And it's really interesting to see kind of how it's evolved from the 2D era. I remember distinctly when Metroid Prime came out and all of a sudden you had that sort of like 3D Metroidvania and it was just like very overwhelming and for me that's oh, yeah. like I love Metroid and it's a little sacrilegious to say the Prime games are your favorite but I just can't get enough of them just can't get enough of them they brought that <laughs> world to life in a way that right? the two-dimensional games never could like I was definitely more on the Vania side of the mm. Metroidvania thing I could tell <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing that I do love about Metroid and especially Metroid Prime is scanning stuff. Like yes. it just fills in so much of the yeah. world. It just gives you all this depth and breadth of the world. Extra lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Retro did an amazing job. I'm so happy that one day in the future we may see Metroid Prime 4 on the Switch, but you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Brittany, I am more on your side with Metroidvania. Like I've played Dead Cells. I loved Ori and the Blind Forest. I gave up on Hollow Knight because I kept dying and getting lost. I know I need to go beat it because I do like the gameplay, but I'm very much a newbie when it comes to Metrovanias. So for Arcade and Tilly, what's something that makes a good Metrovania game? Like, what's something that you think they need to really flourish? I think two things are really important. The first, I think, has to be the excitement and to tie into our game. Ori (laughs) does this really, really well, where Ori presents you so many and really good Metroidvanias, I think, present you things that you can't quite reach. Mm. And you know that you'll be able to go back and get them. You know that you're going to get an ability that's going to let you double jump or do something else that's going to let you get to it. And that keeps that desire to go back and re-explore areas that you've been through. And I think because that's such a hallmark of the genre having a game that entices you to do that i think is so so important and the second thing way more simply is i think good movement i think good movement is super important in a metroidvania because you spend so much time moving around it's got to be fun yep going back and forth it's got to be absolutely i would 100 percent agree Mm -hmm. tilly anything else to add i can't really add too much to that because that was so definitely dead on (laughs) the only other thing is like crescendo moments and i think metroid kind of set the bar for this it's now like a cliche it's a trope where you have like the bases is going to blow up and you got to get the hell out of there. Or in the Blind Forest reference that trope a few different times. I don't know. Those moments always stick out to me in, in a Metroidvania where you have a different gear all of a sudden you get put into to manipulate and go through the environment. And yeah. Because everything's at your own pace until that moment, right? Right. And then you're like, oh shit, we got to we gotta <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Though. It's, it's just going to yeah. hell real quick. Ah, like, wait, suddenly I'm hearing the best song I've heard so far and water is running. Yeah. It's probably time to book it. It's time to get the hell out. (laughs) So, and I would say just the familiarity too because I think one of the things with Arcad is his instincts are always bang on right like certain places we got to I was like oh my god this mechanic's wild let me die seven times real quick and now I'm embarrassed now I get it whereas he kind of just got it and I was like you know that I think is the hallmark of a great video game is being able to take those familiar mechanics and make them feel fresh and new and exciting and something you want to play through on four different modes you know <laughs> yeah I would agree yeah yep. yeah that makes complete sense yeah so we touched on it a little little bit. Today we're playing Ori in the Blind Forest. It was released in 2011 by Microsoft Studios. It is so fucking pretty. Holy hell. The first time I played it, I wanted to slam my head against a wall until... until I couldn't move anymore because I would die I would just get so frustrated with certain moments but I kept playing because the music would crescendo or because the game was pretty and then I unlocked Dash (laughs) lucky man (laughs) (laughs) poor Dilly okay so once you get certain like movement options unlocked it starts to feel just so good like once I unlocked Dash I was back to being my 8 year old self with undiagnosed (laughs) ADHD like I had a body full of sugar and I was ready to hit the ground running how'd you guys feel about the movement in the game. Was there any skill you unlocked that was just immediately you were stoked about and you were like, okay, let's do this? Ooh. Um, Arcad, I know you have a favorite. 
Yeah. So as a general thing, I think Ori, again, as someone who's played a lot of Metroidvanias, I think Ori has some of, if not the best movement out of them all. 100% agree. Mm -hmm. I think it feels good and it looks good and every part of it is awesome. And then, you know, going and collecting all those abilities. And for me, Dash is great. Dash is amazing. But the minute I figured out how it worked on the first playthrough of the game, Bash took me in instantly. I was like, this is unlike anything else absolutely no other game that i've played has done this in this way yeah and lets you do it so freeing you know like it became as much about the movement as it was about hitting every enemy with its own attack because it just felt so satisfying yes you can get so creative with it yeah yeah absolutely oh i would second that i think the movement was amazing and i think it built at the perfect progression i was stunned by how dead on the pacing of this game was because i would find myself at times seeing something and would be just out of reach and i noticed that ori was really good at letting me know when something was too far out of reach so i didn't spend you know hours trying to get something that seemed like it would just be possible that wasn't but then there would be things that were kind of in reach and i was like come on just give me a double jump (laughs) wait what's this tree yeah (laughs) and i thought they did that really well and bash was really cool i definitely thought that was cool but I loved just the parachute, just getting to float. Yeah. I just loved that. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Parachute was so great. A reprieve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So, Tilly, did you have a skill that you really liked using or that you were like, oh, thank God, I finally got this? Yeah, I, I got to jump on the bandwagon there because the bash ability is definitely the signature mechanic of the game that really kind of shows that these guys really need to be making games. Out of all the Metroidvanias I've played, I know there's like a similar mechanic in Shovel Knight, I believe in the Plague characters expansion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's kind of like a similar mechanic where you can use like projectiles and stuff to move through the environment, but they did that really well. For the overall movement in the game, it felt a little skatier than I typically like in a Metroidvania. I like a lot of friction when you hit the ground to stop moving. Uh-huh. Yeah. With Ori, it, it wasn't definitely enough to ruin the game, but it was enough where there were a lot of moments, especially in the area of the game where you have, it's like a gravity puzzle where you have the ice orb you carry around and you're on those like fire blocks. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of movement mechanics in there that really threw me off. Uh, when you're wall climbing, the fact that it defaults when you get to a top where it pulls you over the edge kept luring me into spikes over and over again. And that was beyond frustrating. I don't have as positive an opinion on this game as everybody else, but there's a lot going on there. Just aside from the movement, that's worth the price of admission. That's fair. Also, Dash was great. If I had come across that earlier in my playthrough, I probably would have a more positive uh, opinion of it. Okay. Just to bring you guys up to speed here, I was kind of with Tilly for a lot of his playthrough, and he's getting towards 75-80% way through the game. And I'm like, that's going to be a little bit easier if you dash there. And he goes, I don't have that. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? What, do you, no. what do you mean? What's a dash? Like Mrs. Dash? I don't... What are you talking about, Trevor? <laughs> so... Tilly actually told me this. You know how there is a Definitive Edition and the OG? Well, Dash was added through Definitive Edition. So there's a reason it's not mandatory for you to get. There's a reason you can miss getting Dash (laughs) and avoid that invisible dark place where you carry the sphere to see the light. Yep. So... At one point, I'm like, okay, dude, I know you're like 90% way there, (laughs) but like you need to go look up how to get Dash and just go and get it. And immediately he's just like, oh my God. (laughs) So game changer. 
Tilly. I could not have imagined getting through the last part of that game without Dash. I might have shot blood through my eyes. Oh, yeah. Like eyeball (laughs) pressure washers on my monitor, just erasing pixels off the screen. That must have been like such a turnaround moment for you, though. I know my moment in Ori and the Blind Forest was when I realized, you know what? I actually don't have to kill all the enemies. I can, in fact, just bash past them. And not exactly. have to deal with this anymore. Yep. That changed everything for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And sometimes you're feeling a little bit more aggressive, so you bash him into spikes out of spite. Oh, just yeah, like, that's satisfying. Zip. Yes. Or you just pound him into the ground. <laughs> yes. Love that so, so much. So we talked about the mechanics, the controls a little bit. It's a little bit lopsided with our opinions on it. But I think something that we might kind of all have in common is the art style. I mean, I don't, who knows? Maybe you guys think it's the ugliest game in the world, but I'm going to say. <laughs> not possible. Most no likely way. not. No. I'm not crazy. No. <laughs> Beyond the art style, I actually thought the way that they set a atmosphere with the layers of the vision, like the depth of field that they had. Yes. Where, right, sometimes you would see a creature very, very close to you, or sometimes there would be some movement on a third or fourth layer in. And I just, uh, I would be kind of in these spots where it was really, really difficult. And I'd find myself getting stressed and like getting fixated on, okay, no, I've got to jump here and I've got to make sure I do it here and I've got to hit that. That projectile right there or else I'm going to die and then I would see something in the front of the screen and it would remind me to like look at the whole thing and it made the murderous onslaught much more enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree. Arcad, how'd you feel about the art? Oh, it's one of my favorites. I know it's not technically, but I'm going to call it this. I'm a sucker for hand-painted worlds. Yes. Like, Child of Light was a big, like, visual one for me. The art style was incredible. And Ori, I think, manages to blend a beautiful art style without it suffering because of it. You know, like, there's some games where it's like they're gorgeous, but the gameplay lacks because of it. I would agree. Something else that I think is really interesting and kind of ties into the art a little bit is I remember when I first played Ori, something that seemed really kind of strange about it is I felt like I was very small on the screen, right? Like the actual character of Ori. And I think on one hand, it's really interesting because it makes the world feel huge and you're this tiny little bright critter in the middle of it trying to make your way through this dark world. And the zoom out helps not only show how small you are in this world, but also show the beauty of the world and the sort of decay and all the stuff that's happening inside the blind forest. That's a really good point. I never really thought about it, but now that you bring it up, I think there's a reason that all of Ori's movements and animations are so like fluid and obvious. And, you know, he's flipping with his body. You can tell it's a double jump. The dash, it's impossible not to see him zip across. But everything, all the effects, they're so big because Ori can be so small. Mm-hmm. And it just works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they did a really good job using the parallax effect because you have everything in the background moving slower, middle ground moving at the normal speed, and then everything in the front moving quicker. So it really really gives you the illusion of of that depth and they utilize it well in storytelling because some of the shadowy characters you see in the foreground that are kind of out of focus turn out to be that character Gumo that you encounter later on. Yeah. Kind of an antagonist, kind of not really interesting decision they made there. And you can't describe it as anything else other than beautiful. You look at the vibrant colors, the different biomes with all the different color palettes and different philosophies approaching the different styles there. And you got to describe it as very painterly. It's stylized. It's very gorgeous. Very, very well achieved. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely, yes, Christ. And the animations are unbelievably fluid. Yeah. One of the things the game does really well. Yeah, if I can digress real quick on the animations. Of course. Yes. You brought up Gumo and, or Gomo? I, I'm not sure whatever yeah. it is. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll go with Gumo. So uh, Gumo <laughs> has, in my mind, some of the coolest movement. Like the yeah. way his kind of spidery little body like tumbles through things. You think as you're watching it, oh, he's going to stumble. No, oh, no, he just kind of catches himself and rolls back into position. It's, something about watching him is really satisfying. He's like creepy and harmless in a cute <laughs> way somehow. Charming. Yeah. Just a big goof in every aspect. Yeah, I love that very, very much. Speaking of characters that don't get all that much storytelling, and, and we'll lead into the story with this, but starting as Nuru, the like mama lump. <laughs> you get to start and play as mama lump and you get to just walk around and kind of like lumber and it set me with some like real unrealistic expectations for the rest of the game. Just give me a game with her just lumbering around and picking up creatures and nurturing them back to health. Like I am for that. <laughs> That's what we need this year, I think, as we're leaving, you know, 2020 and 2021 behind. Let's move into Nuru just kind of taking care of little creatures. Oh, I think, yes. I think that'd be nice. I would love to be cradled in the arms of a giant penguin gorilla. That's exactly. all I want. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. So we did an episode on a game recently where the introduction is one of the most devastating narratively driven introductions to a game that I have ever played in my life. Like I was torn up and but I was able to compare it to like Up, the movie, you know, in the beginning where it made me realize that Up is actually so insanely heartwarming. Like the first part that everyone's like, no, I can't watch that. I'll cry. You know, that first 10 minutes or whatever. It's an amazing story about a couple that meets each other at like 10 years old and then just falls madly in love and gets to be that way until they're geriatric it's fantastic yeah so that i love uh but this game or in the blind forest it meets a disturbing middle ground in the middle of those for me because first of all you got nuru you got the mama gorilla penguin and it's adorable and she's nurturing and then she just fucking dies yeah. it's yeah. devastating he was just sleeping trevor she was just sleeping yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> needed to be woken up by Arcad's favorite character, Gumo. Uh, Gumo. Gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> so Gumbo rolls up with this orb of life. So let's start with the story. I gave a little bit of the introduction. How'd you guys feel about the story, where it went, how it happened, and just your thoughts on it? Was it too simple? Was it too convoluted? All that. Well, frankly, when you were just discussing a story with a heart-wrenching opening narrative that destroyed your world, I was shocked when you didn't say it was Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but se yep. seriously, the storytelling was beautiful, and I loved the story. There were ups, there were downs, there were peaks, there were valleys, and I loved like, again, much like with the movement styles and with this idea of, you know, again, building up skills and abilities to continue exploring, it was also this idea of kind of building up this narrative towards growing to love Ori even more, right? Because it was this idea of, okay, yes, this weird spidery creature has stolen this water orb that you need, but how about you show kindness? And then it was just like, oh my goodness, of course, this is now going to be a character we're going to see something good come from. And I felt like that was a theme where it's a familiar theme, but it was just heartwarming to see. And I feel like Ori and the Blind Forest gave it such a unique twist that I was just moved the whole game. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. There's honestly not much I can add to that. I think there's nothing really groundbreaking about the story in terms of like narrative structure, in terms of like the villain redemption, in terms of the beginning of it. But who cares? You know, <laughs> yep. how many pieces of pie have I had in my life? I don't turn down a pie just because I've had it before. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> exactly as long as it's a delicious pie. Yeah, that's all that matters. That is a fantastic metaphor for something I wholeheartedly agree with. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, hell, even just coming down to the owl being the antagonist for this entire thing up until the last minute where you're just like, oh, great. Okay, cool. Break my heart. I just spent <laughs> 30 deaths trying to get past this last boss fight. And now you're going to rip my heart. So I have to go from being angry and frustrated mm. to slightly relieved to devastated. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. story was really powerful. And I think it's yet another case of developers understanding that a lot of times less can be more. You see a masterclass and then immediately getting you to feel for these characters with very little dialogue or exposition. You just see through the animation and movements, you get a feel for what Ori is and what the penguin gorilla is and where they're coming from. And watching that kind of evolve very quickly, you get drawn into it. The scene where Ori is like climbing out into the forest at large for the first time through the sticker bushes. If you can't immediately get invested in this creature's fate from watching that scene, you're a heartless monster. Yes. <laughs> and even heartless monsters will be moved by that. I was like, very on board team, let's murder that guy who stole our stuff until I saw the rocks fall on the guy and just the animation of him struggling with it. I was like, oh God, please tell me we don't kill this creature now. He's completely <laughs> defenseless. And then when you rock up on him, pun intended, and you help him out and like everybody's <laughs> super cool after that. I'm like, this is like the evidence that video games aren't poison for children. Like, Every yeah. character mm -hmm. that you butt heads with, eventually either they learn more about Ori or you learn more about them and you come to an understanding. And like even the owl in the end, the major antagonist, you realize, you know, when Ori touches the egg, like they were just pissed off because their children died. And it's a very relatable emotion. And you see the selflessness of this antagonist. You see that sort of element and there's no evil in this world. And that's what I thought was really great about the story is that there's loss, there's tragedy, there's heartwarming elements, but there's no evil. There's nothing in the game that's completely irredeemable. And I thought that was super refreshing and super awesome to see in a game. God damn, I picked the right three people to be on this episode. <laughs> All of you are, are fantastic. So thank you so far. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I would be remiss if I did not talk about the music. I lost my shit so many times during the chase sequences, during just the real serene areas. Sometimes you'll go to an area and you'll come back either for a pickup or like an extra orb or something and you're like oh oh that's right that's what this place sounds like this rules so how'd you guys feel about the music it's incredible <laughs> i mean like <laughs> right across the board it's incredible the big thing for me for the music is that to me it felt seamless i actually struggled to think back on what my favorite piece is right because there's so many good elements and they all fit each scene so well it felt like a score more than it felt like a soundtrack yes and yeah. Yeah. And it was just amazing. Like, again, similar to the game itself, it was nothing groundbreaking, really. It was strings and standard orchestra kind of fair, but it didn't matter because it was beautiful and it fit and it all just worked so well. Oh, yeah. It was like it basically was born with the art itself, where it kind of just yeah. it wasn't a decision to put this score with that art. It's like they were just kind of seamlessly created at the same time intentionally, which I guess that's how video games work. <laughs> Sometimes, but exceptionally. Exceptionally. Yeah. 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 Exceptionally, yes. Yeah. I felt the same. I thought it was so good and it was so perfect. As I was making lunch earlier, I put the soundtrack on in the kitchen because I noticed in the later areas, I was running into the same 
same issue that I was running into with Sayonara Wild Hearts, where it was an incredible soundtrack. The music was so good. Yes. And I couldn't focus on the music. I was trying <laughs> to not die for 20 times to a laser because I'm in a forest that was apparently designed by a sadistic like <laughs> warlock yes. with a love of lasers. So <laughs> I don't know yep, what yep. was happening in my ears, but I felt like I was probably missing out. So I went and I listened to the soundtrack and yeah, it was just incredible. I decided that my favorite songs were Naru's Origins because they were hauntingly beautiful and because mama, penguin, gorilla, why? But, you know, we got a Raxus, okay. And dash (laughs) through their home because it exemplified the high heart rate that I got through every escape sequence and I felt it was emblematic of the game as a whole. Oh, 100%, yes. Tilly, what about you? Yeah, I thought the music was excellent and it really felt well implemented because it never pulled focus. It never stepped out and was like, pay attention to this specifically. It was used very well to heighten what was going on. So it was either the really serene kind of soothing piano melodies. And then you had the other talent where you had the high energy stuff going on with the chases. Yeah, 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 100%. I mean, for me, that sequence that I mentioned earlier, where you are bashing the lights and climbing the walls to escape that flood. Mm. The music that was blaring in your ears the whole time had me high as hell. (laughs) I think I died on purpose four times so I could keep it going. (laughs) No, no, I I died because I'm bad at the game. But I just every time I died, I was like, cool, let's start this over. And then you just bash and it's just such a cool sequence and the water comes over and it's gorgeous. But then that music is like I put that song on my like competitive platform fighter playlist where I'm like, okay, I'm entering a tournament now. Time to put on this song. And it just gets me ready to go. Yeah, big hype. (laughs) Big hype. Yes. I know that we're all gushing over it. We've only had one real criticism from one person so far, but we're going to need to go over it. Is there anything that you guys didn't really like about the game? I think there were parts that I liked less than other parts, and often because I felt that they were mechanics that were interesting, but perhaps weren't as fun. The one that pops into my mind, and I think Prime and I talked about this a little bit earlier, was the like gravity or magnet area, yeah. like depending on how you want to phrase it. Really <laughs> cool. raising it at arms in redemption right now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like I actually believe it's a well-designed area. I just think it's in the wrong game, because it slows you down, it forces you to do all of the things that Ori has told taught you to do opposite mm-hmm. yep it felt the least like ori out of ori in the blind forest in my opinion yeah i absolutely agree with that yeah yeah, yeah. i have in my notes magnet area is crazy what question mark so <laughs> <laughs> i definitely think the magnet area was rough but then right below that i have x dot x break laser death times 20 so okay for me it was the lasers really like there's this one part i'm sure y'all remember towards the end of the game like past the middle of the game and you have to do this kind of wall jump to avoid these off-center lasers that are coming through and i could see it i saw it in my mind i saw exactly how you were supposed to do it you had to bash the projectiles you had to jump at the right times and you had to avoid the lasers it was very simple and i died over 20 times so (laughs) i think that was the only time i got frustrated but then even there I was just kind of thinking to myself well you know this is really frustrating but I bet you as soon as I get past this and I immediately like the second I'm past throw down my soul link I'm gonna feel great and you know what I did <laughs> so okay, yep yeah so it balanced it made you work for the dopamine but yeah anything worth having right yeah oh, that is. Yes. yeah exactly <laughs> once I did it I was like yes it built tension which I thought you know it added to the pacing it's like in apex uh, you go 
to arena sudden death with a team you've been trading wins back and forth when you get that kill it feels a lot better than the team that you just three stocked you know because you had to fight you had to feel defeat you had to taste the sword and the blood and then you conquered and yeah yeah. very true very very true well very very well put yes tilly (laughs) do you want like half an hour or no i (laughs) i'm not gonna tee off on this game for half an hour it deserves more respect than i gave it during my playthrough which is normal when i play through games i'm much more critical of them than i am afterwards when my blood pressure goes down (laughs) the magnet areas like i gotta come back to because like you're absolutely right i couldn't put it better myself it's not that it was bad it was just that it was either in the wrong spot in the game or in the wrong game that felt more of like what the game dandara was that came after it have you heard of that one it's it's a platformer that does a lot with gravity and flipping on and off and i was like this came out well before that so i give it a lot of props but it was like why are you putting this peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the middle of my ribs like i love peanut butter and (laughs) jelly but like what the heck is going on here why now there were a few different points of the game where i felt that i'm curious what difficulty did you guys play through on no judgment here I think normal, right? Okay. I don't even know whatever it was default set to. Okay. I remember yeah. I looked at my calendar and I went, oh, sweet. We're doing <laughs> our podcast recording this week. Oh, my God. I haven't played Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> and yeah. I jumped immediately into it. Gotcha. So I think it felt very normal. It didn't feel very forgiving. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's my experience with normal mode as well. Trevor had played through on easy on some areas. Well, I played through my first time on normal and I went and collected everything. And then this run through, I'm like, you know what? I play a short game once every two weeks. I'm just going to put it on easy and breeze through here. And one of the things Tilly's getting at is during those rush moments, if you're on easy mode, it actually sets checkpoints for you. And it doesn't do that during boss rush. So I think that's one small flaw. Yeah, there were like three main points in time where you're being like chased out of an area at high speed and you move at such a clip, you have to bash your head into a wall to kind of see what's going on. I felt like at times the camera wasn't keeping up with pace of the action so you couldn't judge what was coming up you just had to die at it until you realized what it wanted you to do <laughs> and without a checkpoint system after you get kind of halfway through the run and you start building up momentum and you're like am i gonna do it and then you bash your head up against like okay the floor is pure fire here i couldn't have saw that until i got right on top of it that was extremely frustrating i felt that these were great pieces that were well directed well animated great music everything that was going on was was amazing but just the flow of the game ground to a screeching halt for me because i just kept freaking dying just like hundreds and hundreds of times in rapid succession the more frustrated i got the more tilted i got and you know the more i was throwing ori into a bonfire every chance i got <laughs> i think i would have benefited more from playing it on easy but those are like the few criticisms i do have of the game there's some gameplay mechanics that just kind of felt great in theory but maybe not implemented as good as they could climbing up the walls and being pulled up in a spikes especially Especially when there's a lava flow bearing down on you can be quite frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I know ground pound was yeah. point of severe frustration, not just for you, but I experienced a lot of accidental ground pounds when it could have been a yeah. button. And instead yeah. it was yeah. left stick down, which was odd to me. And inconsistent. I never got an ability that was mapped to L1 and I would have enjoyed the heck out of it being on L1. I'm spoiled by like Super Mario ground pound, which I will always consider that being the best implementation of it. But I can't really fault Ori for me being spoiled by Nintendo. <laughs> no. So I have two interesting points from that. So one, y'all just 
solved a mystery that was plaguing me. So we had a couple of different computers lying around, as the folks might assume. And so we had two different playthroughs of Ori started. And we had one on the stream when we were going through the first element that we got, the water element. And I felt like it was so much easier than the rest of the time. And it was because of checkpoints. And they were gone when we were doing the later parts. Mm. Uh, I think the file we did on stream oh. that we abandoned, there was one file we had to abandon. And I think that one was easy because I was like, why did this get so hard? Like the difficulty yeah. level okay. between the water, because Arcad did the water one on our second playthrough. And I was trying to do the water one. And it was like, why is this not like we did this yeah. on stream and it wasn't this hard. So that was interesting. And then the other thing is, I'm pretty sure my ground pound was a button. I think it was down and B because I kept getting really messed up because I was hitting down and something else and it wasn't working. So I'm very oh, wow. confused. <laughs> what? I'm going to do some <laughs> research. There's no way. At first, I thought it was a combination, but I found out later you just hit down in the air. I was messing it up a lot. You remember that one point kind of right after you get the ground pound and there's that mm. rhino bug running back and forth mm -hmm. and you have yes. to just bounce on it over and over i died there so many times and i think this one was actually on stream on the easy playthrough because i was hitting down and a different button and then arcad took it and was like no you have to hit down in this button and then i never missed that input again oh good yeah. on you yeah but it was very frustrating yeah it was very frustrating it was tricky maybe just like a difference of even controller mapping because that's wild. Well, that's what I'm wondering, yeah. actually, because that's the controller that I think we remapped some of the stuff yeah, it's got in the paddles Steam on the back on it because of the paddles. Oh, yeah. OK, never mind. Maybe that's just my experience then, because I was like, really, I could have just hit down. Why couldn't I get that input for you know, 10 minutes? Oh, that's funny. OK. Yeah. OK. Weird. Wild. Holy hell. As far as the controls for me, the small points I do want to make, because there are some valid criticisms of them. I think that they did them very well, considering there's a lot of different shit that you learn going on throughout this game. A lot of different mechanics, moves, all of them are movement based, which I'm in heaven. Anytime they give me a new movement option, I am happier for it. And this game just does that over and over. And then you have to think about the conundrum of, okay, well, if we're going to give them 10 different things they can do and ways they can move and bursts and all that. Where are we going to put all these buttons? What are we going to do with these? We still need to have a button for saving exclusively. And obviously there's a jump, but then, okay, well, let's have them hold a trigger and move the stick and then hit the button and then do a backflip all while talking on the phone and cooking <laughs> oatmeal. <laughs> I think this game is kind of a victim of that sometimes where it can be a little bit convoluted or you just forget what you're supposed to do to yeah. use a certain action mm -hmm. in a certain way. Yeah. I will say I didn't like that Bash was on Y. Even though it was my favorite ability, I wish it was on a shoulder button. Yes. Yeah. Fun fact for all of you guys, this will be really random, but I promise I'm bringing it back. Dan Fernacy worked on Ori in the Blind Forest and also created the game Rivals of Aether, which is a platform fighter that I have spent many, many, many hours in. <laughs> Ori is in that game. Ori is my main. I set special, which Bash is a part of to my left bumper how it should have been yep exactly so i'm playing ori in the blind forest and i'm like why am i not bashing i was losing it <laughs> What a problem to have. Exactly. Yeah. Just a ridiculous, weird. I played this same character in a different game and it's different. And yeah. overall, yeah, I wanted to remap my controls, but I just said, oh, I guess I'll get used to it. First, is there any closing thoughts, anything that you guys haven't gotten to really talk about or say that you wrote down or just really wanted to mention about Ori? Just that it was a great game. It was such an enjoyable experience. <laughs> we got to play through the first half of it twice, which was great because then the second time it was like just felt invincible. You knew where everything was and moving into the later part, it was really 
really momentum based, which I found very helpful, right? Like if you kind of just sat down and took a few hours to work through the story, it didn't feel like a slog and it didn't feel like a grind because even those parts where you are dying over and over again, there's always something redeeming, right? Like whether it be you getting through it and then getting to do an immediate save, like the soul links, I think made every extremely difficult part easy to get through because it was this idea of, okay, if I can just get through this, I can put down a link and I don't have to do this in this way again, you know? Yes. Or I have a way to make this easier. And then as you got the movement options, things that initially would have been extremely frustrating that you just breeze through, it just feels so rewarding. So as it gives you more obstacles to overcome and more wins to get, it still rewards you constantly with all these little wins that you maybe couldn't do at the very beginning of the game or, you know, the first playthrough, the first five minutes. And I just thought that it was incredible and it did everything that it did perfectly. God damn, I agree with that very, very much. I love this game very much. So we're going to, I think I know what your grade is going to be for the game. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to move into a segment that I call the Grade Brigade. This is where we give the game a letter grade and tell me what kind of person you would recommend Ori in the Blind Forest to. So I'm going to start with Arcad this time. Going alphabetical, I see. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I chose that name. Beautiful. (laughs) I would give it an A, actually. I wouldn't give it an A+. And this kind of reminds me of what Tilly said earlier. I think when you're creating something that is so good, that has so few problems, the ones that it has seem so much bigger than they are. Yeah. And some of the ones that they did have, like, you know, the magnet area, the lasers, et cetera, et cetera, all it would have taken was a little bit of tweaking, you know? And I don't think of it as a criticism. I think of it like how many games really deserve an A, you know? I think an A is very, very, very high praise for it. I would say an A. I would recommend the game, obviously, to anyone who likes Metroid, Castlevania, anything within that sphere. And honestly, and this may be a controversial take on it, I would even recommend it to people who are maybe not as familiar with that genre, but they want to get into it. Because I think while it is difficult, it scales in a way that is very rewarding for people and people who jump into Ori and are sucked in by the art style and sucked in by the music will then gain a deeper appreciation of the genre as a whole because I think it's a great ambassador of the genre. Well put. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. Brittany, what about you? Oh, for me, definitely an A. I also won't do an A plus because I think that for something to be the perfect game, there are a lot of boxes that need to be checked and it's a slippery slope and Ori was almost there, but you can't hand out the A pluses freely. You know what I mean? Of course. So I would say an A. I thought the storytelling was great. I thought the way that they told the story was great. I liked how the narrator was sort of a secondary or even tertiary character, really. And the majority of the story was told through these visuals and these beautiful moments and these flashbacks. And honestly, I would recommend it to anybody who likes fun and satisfaction. (laughs) And um, to touch on something Ark had said with the scaling, I also think that it's very much an accessible game. I don't think it's an intimidating game. Now knowing I've played through two modes, I can say yes, one is discernibly more forgiving, I think, than the other. And especially in those later areas, I think the parts where I was getting very frustrated, yeah, if I'd have flipped on to easy, I think that would have made it a very accessible and a very rewarding experience without a lot of the frustration that I think can turn some people off of these kind of games. I think that anybody can enjoy it. I think the story is universally beautiful. I think it's one 
one we've seen many times um, in yep, yep. wonderful ways, though. And I think that if somebody wants to have a wonderful time between three to eight hours or more playing a beautiful game with a touching story, they will enjoy it. Once again, just want to say I'm very happy about the people that I picked for this episode. So, <laughs> Tilly, what about you? Well, I definitely um, had a bit more criticisms. If I didn't learn about the differences between normal and easy mode, I probably would have given it like a C, C plus only because of the distinct lack of checkpointing there and it disturbing the flow of some of the most important scenes of the game. But the fact that if you toggle it to easy, it does exactly what I kind of wanted it to do. I'm going to move that grade to like a B minus. I definitely enjoyed it. I think the art and music were absolutely fantastic. The story needed to be everything I wanted it to be and nothing more. It was right in the wheelhouse of what I wanted it to be. But I would recommend the game to somebody who maybe bounced off of Hollow Knight and said that maybe it was a little too dark, a little too drab, or maybe it was just a little too long. I would definitely give it a better grade if it also didn't try and pack so many different unlockable movement mechanics into an eight hour experience. I feel like it had the the unlockable mechanics of a 40 hour Metroid game in an eight hour package. So like they were very quickly layering on each other. And I feel like it didn't like have enough room to breathe. And if maybe they took out some of the mechanics and honed them a little bit better, it could easily be an A grade for me. So damn. okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to say suck my ass is a plus. Um, (laughs) I think this game is fucking fantastic. I loved dying in this game. I loved moving. I loved dashing and bashing enemies into spikes. I thought the mechanics were so intentioned and just you had to be more precise. You had to reset the stick to neutral sometimes to do what you wanted it to. You had to be crisp on making the game do what you wanted. But I think with enough understanding and practice, the game did exactly what you wanted. It's just a little bit more slippery than some platformers, than some other games. I loved it with all my heart. I will give small criticisms in that I think it has a little bit of Bastion Syndrome, where like Tilly said, I kind of agree that you get a little bit too much to unlock, a little bit too condensed, and so you don't really get the chance to utilize the full extent of your creativity. I love that any given situation, you can actually pick two or three or four different ways to solve all those situations and traverse that area. I thought that was amazing. It's cool that they gave you all these extra options and I'll never complain about more movement but I can see why people would feel the same way about this that they do about Bastion where you unlock a new weapon and then the next level they give you a different one and then everything becomes obsolete so fast it's all crunched a little bit too much together but then guess what Ori 2 beats ass and has almost all the same mechanics and more shit so go play it the other thing I don't like Metrovania's sometimes because I get bored and frustrated and lost most importantly lost (laughs) that's my whole thing I get lost all the time and I'm like where do I go I don't know what to do and I think that Ori did a very very good job of not making you lost they're like okay you can go here if you want to maybe do that and then along the way you collect some cool stuff I give them credit they definitely did a lot better than I thought they would signposting the big areas like you knew to move the story this is generally where you need to be a lot of Metroid games could learn a lot from how Ori signposted where the relevant sections of the next chunk of the story was I agree wholeheartedly I think a first playthrough on this game easy mode is where it's at yeah i think it just makes the game what it's supposed to be and if you want to go beat it on normal and hard afterwards do it but i think if you're trying to get into metrovanias or even kind of fast movement based platformers i really think this is a good first game provided you know maybe you've played mario and you're looking for something a little more difficult but if you're looking for just anyone who loves movement man turn it on easy and just (laughs) bash and dash your way through life it's 
fucking fantastic. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree with that 100%. I'm going to ask for your guys' plugs. I know you guys are doing a lot lately and you probably have some things you want to talk about. So I'm going to give you the floor. Ooh. All right. Well, definitely check out www.twitch.tv slash Prime. We tend to stream five days a week minimum. We also do a lot of stuff in our Discord. Um, we have a lot of Discord streaming stuff that happens as well. You can often find us playing Apex Legends. We're doing an entire Dark Souls playthrough series. And we just reached a huge channel points goal to start Jump King. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Arcad, what else we got going on? So we're going to be doing a couple of things related to D&D. We've been really, really deep into this Dungeons and Dragons world. And one of the things is going to be a new book that I'm working on of pre-made characters, one for each class in the game. Ooh, that sounds awesome. A way for new players to kind of get in without needing to get their hands too dirty and a way for DMs to populate their world with fully fleshed out characters that fit any niche they might need. So that's going to be one side of it. And then we're also releasing a podcast called A Romantic Dinner with a DM, which our lovely host... Ooh, I've heard about this. Our lovely host, <laughs> Trevor, is going to be featured on. And yeah, it's basically a podcast where we sit down with a dungeon master and we discuss the game. We discuss life. We discuss how those two things combine together to create the majesty that is Dungeons and Dragons and how that fosters a sense of community, creativity, storytelling, and adventure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am uh, so excited for that. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Continue. I just wanted to say, like, I'm very excited. Oh, thank you. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, pretty much our whole idea with it is the DM is the core of the D&D group, right? They create the world, and we are so fortunate to have a, a great group and a great DM, and we thought, you know what? The Dungeon Masters, they need a bigger spotlight. They need more recognition. They need to share their worlds <laughs> i think we're already pretty self-centered <laughs> we like to talk we like to bring our voices out and create entire characters that'll never even have more than a backstory because your pcs are gonna kill them first thing i promise <laughs> it is <laughs> murder hobos oh, we don't need bigger egos what are you guys doing here mm. nah, no i'm just kidding do. we do yeah I'm, I'm super excited yeah, yeah. it's gonna be good and dnd is just incredible yeah i would say that of the things our cat and I talking about in a day, solid 20%. Solid 20. <laughs> nice. Follow our social links. We've got some cool stuff on the horizon. The stream's about to get a huge glow up. And we just finished our first official digital design client. We did a cut out steel cast iron poured foundry set of panels for a client in the States. We're really excited to put those up. But yeah, a lot of cool stuff going on. You guys are busy. Yeah. Yeah. Design stuff, podcasts, streaming. If it's creative and it's something that'll (laughs) broaden our horizons and let us learn something or do something new, we're normally ready to jump into it. So, yeah. Yeah. We just love making shit. Apparently. Dear Lord. So, (laughs) Tilly, do you want to plug yourself or do you want me to put your stuff in the credits? If people are listening to me here, they already know about 90% of the stuff I do. And uh, the rest of it, you use that same old plug. Same old plug. Excuse me. I changed it up every single time in the credits. Thank you very much. I got an amateur YouTube channel, Abominable Productions. I got some content on there from Rocket League, a little bit of Phasmophobia, and I'm probably going to be adding some Dark Souls in there soon as well from my own run and very much looking forward to checking out your Twitch stream of Dark Souls. That's always a good time. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, the Dark Souls
Pixels is a whole YouTube series. And I will say, if you like watching people get really cheesy, undeserved Dark Souls wins, (laughs) I'm a magnet for them for some reason. There's other types of Dark Souls wins? I'm unaware. (laughs) Magnet. That's a good time. It's a good ride. I'm a bow and arrow boy if I can't kill it with a bow and arrow. (laughs) Me too. Oh my. What's your favorite place to shoot? Mine is kneecaps. I love kneecaps. (laughs) I've got a really, really good strat. One in the head, one in the testes. They go down every time. I'll have to use that. Yeah, After great. my speedrun Pokemon Blue run, I know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Our cat's oh, mom man. actually watches the whole series. Awesome. So she'll send me like texts or she'll leave comments. She like texts me the other day. She's like, yeah, get them right in the nards. <laughs> This has been Quick Summaries for Short Games. I'm Trevor Robertson, and my wonderful guests were Arcade and Prime, along with our amazing editor, Scott Tilly. Coinciding with the release of this episode is the release of an episode of Romantic Dinner with the DM, and I happen to be a guest on that episode. It was a blast to record, so if you love D&D, go check it out. Follow us on Twitter and Insta at QSS Games to see what other cool stuff we've got going on. If you guys want to recommend games to us or ask us questions, email us at QS4SGames at gmail.com. You guys should also give us a review on iTunes because that helps the algorithm quite a bit. The podcast art was done by Jerain. Everyone asks who provided our music, and rightfully so. You can find them by looking up Defiant Robot Records on Spotify. Dylan Hanks was kind enough to read the spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode. Next week's game is Turniphead Commits Tax Evasion. That is absolutely where the music's going to kick in. Just so you know, that's, that's right there. Get them right in the nards is yes. beautiful. Oh, Brilliant. Love it. Okay. Well, 